0: Head over to jensheitland.com, scroll to the bottom of the page and sign up. But now, let's get started with the podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Jens Land Show where I connect the dots of innovation and entrepreneurship. My name is Jens Heitland and welcome to the show. Welcome to another special edition of the XYZ Playground, where I'm talking with Joshua Natal around reverse mentorship and young minds and how young minds and young thinkers see the world and see different topics. So enjoy the show with Joshua. Hi Joshua, welcome back. It's It's great to do another Prototype, it's almost not a prototype anymore. It's something we plan to do more of.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's great to see you again. And I wonder when we're going to stop calling it a prototype because yeah. um, we're
0: on to another episode again. So great to be with you today. Yes, it's great. I was out running this morning, so which fits perfectly to our theme today. Man, I'm so out of shape compared to last year at this time. That's incredible shitty. <laughs>
1: Yeah, man, it's it's crazy. And I mean, before we started recording, we were talking a bit about motivation and what gets you out of bed in the morning and what drives us to do crazy things. And you mentioned something very interesting just around the way that our bodies are built. And the very question of over the last 12 months, we've sort of become very sedentary. Yeah. We spent a lot of time sitting. It's challenging at times, but it's also challenging to get going again. So um, yeah, I look forward to
0: hearing more about your, your next Ironman um, that you'll be doing. <laughs> yeah, let's figure that out. Just interesting from a perspective because generally I'm a very, very active person and being out as much as possible. But now since basically a year, life is way more indoor than outdoor. And now being back in Germany since last summer as well, that brought me onto a different path. So I wasn't training 10 to 18 hours per week anymore. I dropped in my training regime and focused way more on all my business, which is of course, it's a circle or cycle you're, you're in if you're owning businesses. But I think it's also what I feel is, I need to have this free mind. And I'm getting that through endorphins, through running, through cycling. I mean, swimming is not possible, basically, since a year or last summer, at least. So, I see that a lot that I am I need to get back on track in, into my training regime. And that's what I basically set up over the last weeks to get back into daily training and really pushing myself to get back into race shape until summer, even if there is no race. It's really yeah. my motivation is just getting into the game again and building the habits around. It's basically as easy as that. If you're not going out training every day, then you're just not going out training. If it's part of your daily life, then you do it, and it's just happening. At least that's how it works for me always. What about you? Yeah, and I think that, <laughs> yeah that's a great point, Jens, and I just wanted to
1: just riff on something quickly. It's just around the word balance. When we all start out and whatever career path we're in, there's a lot of people say you must make sure that you've got your work-life balance right, mm-hmm. and a lot of people think that that means two things. So one that you must work very strict office hours and be very deliberate with how you're spending your time and make sure that you make time for yourself, and those are all important. But I strongly believe that that balance is a myth because, like you very well mentioned, is it does go in cycles. So you may have one month where you don't exercise at all and you're yeah. working extreme hours and you may have other days where you don't do a lot of work and you're very regimented and rigorous with your exercise and i think that that's a type of balance that we're talking about here is more just being conscious of it and like you have said you've put now processes in place and structures in place to allow yourself to get that balance back but yeah i think from my side i'm also someone who does thrive on the diet of exercise i really do use it to keep myself sane and I also, like you, I've also adventured into the extreme world of, I haven't done a triathlon yet, but I've done some extreme bike races and running running things right across South Africa, for example. But
0: we'll get onto that at another, another stage. <laughs> I, was, I was just watching yesterday on the bike, an interesting documentary about a, an ultra runner. And that's awesome stuff. I really love it. Just back onto the work-life balance. For me, I think that's why it's called life. It's a life balance. It's not about on a daily base I'm way more into this now, since I'm basically a founder of different companies and and being an entrepreneur, when I was working in a large corporation, that's even that was in waves. When I was, for example, working in Russia, I was working way more hours than I was working in Sweden, but it's also different cultures and different ways of working inside of different culture, which is always part of that. But I think then this life balance perspective means from a life perspective, do you take breaks in between, which which gets you back on track, which will help you? And planning this breaks in, in proper ways. Like I was, for example, was it like two years ago, I was, for example, one month cycling in, in Tenerife. We went there with the whole family and was able to work in between, but it was basically a kind of helping break for me to get into my mindset again. And having these moments in between that, it's not always necessarily that you need to travel, especially now in, in times of lockdown, it's not really working. But getting into that state that you have this freedom and mindset that it's not about having stress every day and pushing the hours, pushing the hours as well, taking some days off, taking the foot off the gas to have that balance over long term. But it is also, like you said, some days, some weeks, some months, it's all in. And that means 15, 20 hour days as an entrepreneur, at least, even if I more love the, the four hour work week style from Tim Ferriss, but it's not always working depending on what business you have.
1: Yeah. And I think that that's a great framing in terms of life balance. And I think Jens, you know, it fits, like you said, when we started recording is it fits extremely well into, in terms of what we've itemized and put down to chat about today. Yeah. And I think as you so rightly mentioned, it's about creating that space. And I think that over the last little while, I think a lot of people might be saying, okay, well, how do I create that space? I'm confined in my home to the four walls. I've become very intimate with my immediate surroundings, haven't been able to travel, haven't been able to get that external motivation. So I think maybe sort of a segue and a transition in terms of in today's topic is I'm going to kick things off by asking you, what is motivation? And you can interpret
0: that in whichever way that you like, whether you talk about life, business, or sport. Motivation for me is is kind of a drive inside of me, a drive which is inside of everyone, which is what gets you to do things. There might be different perspectives. One is like you get motivated from the outside. I'm seen as a good sports person if I'm posting something, so get recognition from others. But for example, if you take myself, that's not a driver at all, specifically not for sport. I'm competitive, but not so competitive that everyone needs to shout, hey, you did a five kilometer run or whatever. So I think there are two ways of this, and one thing is coming from an inside perspective, one is from an outside perspective. What I have seen over the last yeah forty years now is for me it's way stronger if it's from the inside. And that's something you need to nurture, you need to work on and figuring out what is it really. For example, if you take my business, what is my motivation to run a business, to not going to into a normal job, which is the nine to five and getting the golden watch after 20 years, which is more, you can buy a golden job after 20 years as well if you're an entrepreneur. But that's, that's a way easier way of working because it's way less stressful, at least in my eyes, have been working a long time in corporations. But what is the intrinsic motivation for someone doing that? or doing a course, doing something, educating yourself, learning to draw, learning to a uh, type with 10 fingers or whatever you want to accomplish. It's like, what is the motivation for you to do that? When I was coaching in the old days, more on leadership and personal development, that was always a part finding out what are the, your motivators, what helps you to, to build an internal motivator and that then in return builds habits and the habits will keep you going over time, just like in sport. If you put down your clothes in the evening already in front of your bed, so you just get out of bed, go into your running clothes, and then you go out running, you don't have time to think about it and you just do it. If you do this often enough, it's getting a habit and it's just happening. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of people may have also read
1: James Clear's book, Atomic Habits, Mm -hmm. and it talks about small, small changes that you can put in place to eventually Uh change your behavior longer term and over time. And I think One of the things that I've certainly found is, you know, making space to actually think about the things that you're doing, because there's a fine line between you mentioned it very well, Jens, in terms of your extrinsic motivations and your intrinsic motivations. And I, too, am someone who's also very internally driven. And maybe that's why I can excel at individual sports is because I don't need that accolation or, you know, that recognition externally, whether you're receiving a medal or things like that. Mm. People sometimes say to me, how did you get on a bike for five hours? Man, go just, just ride. And I think that's sort of something that is a deep, intrinsic motivator of mine. But sort of maybe bring this back to a bit of a business structure, Jens, and saying... Obviously, we've been chatting in some of your other conversations on your podcast and in other circles around entrepreneurship and entrepreneurship mindset, culture, and that sort of thing. And you yourself have started an initiative to try and empower 1 million people to innovate in the year of 2021. And I think that that's going to have much longer lasting effects. And so I'm extremely excited to see how that pays out. But maybe let's sort of talk about how teams motivate themselves and how can leaders motivate teams? Because I think it's one thing saying that people need to motivate themselves, but what are some of the external factors that can be used in this environment that we're living in to keep people motivated and to keep people
0: creating and, and finding and exploring? Yeah. One thing, when I was leader in a corporational setting, I was always looking into what, is, what are the things that motivate the different people in the different stages they are. So it's, For everyone, it's different, but one common thing is always self-development. So developing yourself, learning something going forward, that's at least what I have seen commonly, that's one of the biggest motivators. So if you're a leader, and that fits perfectly to your sayings like stepping back, if you're a leader and step back, give the others the opportunity to do something they normally don't do, which makes them grow in what they're doing, grow in their field, grow personally, That's one of the biggest motivator, specifically if you look into business, like getting more money as an employee is not a big motivator. It helps you maybe a couple of months, but after a couple of months, that's the baseline. But this personal development and personal growth, that's one of the biggest motivator. So you as a leader need to look out for that and look into what is the personal development field for each individual inside your team and then nurturing that that might be that a person wants to do something completely different, want to learn something completely different, or just want to get more responsibility, less responsibility to focus on something else. So this detailed topics is something you need to find out as a leader to be able to nurture the personal growth. And then you will get basically the payback in them working wider, working with more responsibilities, which then again, motivates them, which makes them doing more things and so on. And Then it gets quite interesting when you do that over time. It gets an internal motivator for the people because they're seeking development. And I've had, for example, a story where I was manager of a team of 10 people. And I got them out of, let's say, a space where they haven't been used to personal development. I got them into that space and helped them over a couple of years getting into this personal development engine. And then I was leaving, taking another role, and someone else stepped in. And it was shut down. It was like, hey, I'm the manager and you need to do what I'm saying rather than, hey, I empower you. You are the best expert in your field and you should know what you're doing. I will support you in your decisions. So that's quite interesting that it can as well be broken, this chain, if someone else steps in and kills your internal motivation. So it's for me, that's the biggest topic in motivating when you talk about leadership and teams.
1: And that's fascinating because it gets my mind thinking around feedback. And how do you create sort of feedback loops and things like that? And I think just picking up on a few things that you said is companies and big organizations work with inside specific structures and they have the ability to, a rather generic one would be that we give you as an employee X amount of monetary value to go and spend on online courses, for example. Mm. But then again, it's left up to the person themselves to go and choose those online courses. And I think that gets my mind thinking, like I said, around sort of what we're trying to create with the XYZ playground. It's sort of we wanting to bring young thinkers into organizations to challenge some of the concepts that's been set up or structures that have been put in place over the last number of years and that in itself can bring a different type of motivation into an organization because you're not necessarily bringing in a course or a structured environment but you're rather bringing in a playground where then we're saying we're providing a personalized service to you and then you can look to unpack motivation in different ways inside of that space so That's something that's quite exciting and that we we look to explore in in the coming weeks and months.
0: And to that point, inside that playground structure, inside of that, where young thinkers help experienced thinkers in different ways, I think it's also that this personal growth and leadership needs to be part of that because there might be young thinkers who have never had the possibility, let's say, if there's a huge executive from a large corporation, they might never have had the possibility to talk to a person like this and the other way around in the same way. So both need to be kind of onboarded from a value perspective of how do they do that in the best way. And I think that's the key, this facilitation with the playground. Even on a normal playground, there are rules. They're maybe not written, but they are rules that you're not taking my shovels if I'm a, a child. So you're asking first, and not always happening, I can tell you with my daughter. But they are unwritten rules, and I think that's something where people need to get onboarded in getting into this system in the same way like you built a relationship with a mentor like i've had brilliant mentors over my career and was always it was growing into that was never forced and happening overnight it was like first you get to know the person and then you trust that person over time that grows into a really cool relationship establishing this perspective on a playground where you build relationships that are built on trust in a safe environment building sandcastles i think that's an interesting perspective and that's for me at least it's one of the the many missing pieces in the business world right now where it's all about how can we do short term success rather than how can we engage with different perspectives to do long term perspective and long term success Yeah, lots of things to unpack there,
1: Jens, but maybe before sort of just talking about short versus long term, I just want to sort of get granular on the word feedback. We mentioned it earlier in the conversation around forming habits and habit formation. But what are some of the experiences that you've had around learning from feedback? Because it's a big word. And we all say from time to time, yes, we must make time to engage with employees and we must make time to engage with different views and different opinions. But then there's a lot of noise. And how do we make, again, that space to actually digest and learn from that noise so that we can then keep motivated and learn from the feedback that we're receiving?
0: Yeah, one perspective, I always say feedback is a gift. That's when I was working in IKEA, that was always a saying, hey, if you get feedback, it's a gift. But that doesn't mean you need to accept every gift. So, so taking a step back, like in dancing, sometimes you need to take two steps back before you take three steps forward. And taking the time and understanding and digesting feedback in different ways. And feedback is not always the formal perspective of, hey, you are asking someone, can you please give me feedback? Because that's more the formal version and not everyone is into that. But just understanding a room, understanding a conversation and, hey, I was sending this message, but this message was not received. So that's basically always a feedback mechanism. So how do you learn to do that over time? with your business and you as a manager or leader inside your business in a continuous way. So that's basically like we always do prototyping on a daily basis with the feedback you get. And you do that with your customers, with your clients, with your ecosystem, and as well with your employees internally. And that means you also need to give feedback in different ways. I was struggling with that quite a lot when I was younger, like give this negative feedback and doing like all these different ways of sandwich methodology and so on. Sometimes it's just better specifically if you're German, like I'm straightforward. Hey, that wasn't good. You can do that better. Let's have a look how we can figure out how to do that better. Then you know, okay, the person understands that wasn't good. And you create a conversation to find out how to do it better. But that's also a process you need to learn. At least for myself, I think I can still learn a lot on that. I never feel comfortable with bad yeah. and negative feedback. Yeah, and I
1: think that's a great transition in terms of, you know, around staying curious and staying motivated and continuous learning and things like that. And we've chatted a lot today about motivation. And I think we just sort of double click on motivation a bit and say... In this time and space, you know, there are a lot of challenges going out there, whether it be the 100-day challenge, which I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with, and there are various versions around the world. And some of the ones that I am following have a huge following. And Jens, you've challenged people on the, your own 25-day challenge. And like I mentioned earlier in the conversation, you've also set up a personal challenge to empower 1 million people. And I just wanted to spend a bit of time talking about how do you sort of link motivation to creating a movement to linking in with feedback? Because you've mentioned there around feedback as a gift, you don't necessarily have to take that gift. But if you think about creating motivation, when we, like I mentioned earlier, is we're very confined in our houses at the moment. How do we stay motivated, and how
0: do we create a movement around motivation? Yeah, it's a good question. For me, it's always longing for something which is a, why, a bigger purpose than yourself. That's for me is the starting point. So there need to be something beyond you and beyond what you can reach fairly quickly. Not everyone needs to go into the extreme world like I'm doing personally. But I think it's more about there's something challenging in front of you, which already, for a lot of people at least, gets you motivated, specifically if you set it yourself. Because then it's something, hey, I want to do this. I want to record a podcast. I want to run five kilometers. I want to run a marathon. I want to do this. I want to do that. So if you set it yourself, then it's basically building up a perspective of you want to do this and you need to have a reason behind that. Why do you want to do that? Why do you want to run a marathon? What is your internal motivation to do that? That can be, hey, I want to lose weight. That's why I want to run a marathon, which gets me into physical activity and healthy eating and so on. So that's what everyone needs to find out for him herself to build a vision perspective, build somewhere like creating a mission and then just grinding it through. And I think that's what a lot of people are not doing. I was just reading the other day there, there are a lot of podcasts who never made it above 10 episodes. So there are hundreds of thousands of podcasts who only have 10 episodes and they haven't done the 11th. And I think that's again, coming back to habits, like how do you build yourself up in a way that you create your own accountability system that helps you to move into that direction? But how do you you see that from your perspective? Yeah, so I think when I start thinking about
1: motivation, it's like I mentioned earlier, it's obviously very intrinsic. But at the same time, I think you have to approach motivation and creating a movement, like you very rightly said, around just being willing to take that next step. Because I think if you don't just take that next step, then you're constantly stuck in the now. And if you can't create that vision or that future, then you're only going to know the now. Mm. And that's fine for some people, but at the same time, What are all of the other things that you could be learning from? We've chatted about feedback and different mechanisms that you can incorporate and learn from that. So I think that that's a big thing for me around motivation in terms of being willing to take that next step and also realizing that you don't have all the answers. So if I use an example to try and explain this a bit better is Ella Luna, who some of you may be familiar with. She talks about the difference between should and must. And there's a fantastic conversation on Chase Jarvis's podcast creative calling where she talks about that. And some of the things that she highlights is there are a lot of things that people and we say to ourselves that we should be doing, mm. but actually what must we be doing? And I think that that talks to motivation in terms of actually identifying how we work through that as people, and we're all different, but it's just starting and then taking that next step. And if you think about some of the 100 day challenges that are out there, a lot of them you know, encourage you to do something different every single day. Whether that's if you take art, for example, you start by drawing a house and Mm -hmm. then the next day you're going to paint the roof and the next day you're going to put doors on the house. Each day you're doing something and you're moving something forward and you're bringing in different types of thinking into that space, which then keeps you motivated to try something different going forward.
0: Yeah, It's definitely something we, in times of lockdown, where I see a lot of people struggling with. And myself as well. I mean, if you just take my sport example, I wasn't doing properly sport the last two months, was doing a little bit, but not as normal. And I think that's something where people have the opportunity stepping out of it again. So it's like, I just did say, okay, I want to get race ready. And that means I need to move my, my butt. So what is the motivation for you to do your next step towards creating a movement for yourself and or with others. Because I think there are also differences if you create something for yourself only, or if you want to do something which is a wider perspective, creating a movement for a lot of people. And that's maybe the comparison. Me getting race ready for my personal race ready is just... The reason for that is me getting into shape and getting fit again, getting healthy. If you take the example of my reaching one million people to innovate or empowering one million people to innovate, that's a far bigger perspective for me where I see through this, we will change things in the world, which means if people are getting into the idea of innovating, that will impact their surroundings and their surroundings, like the people around them will impact other people. And that's, that's how I see that movement where it's like a domino effect where you do something to help others, they will help others, they will help others. And that's, for me, a bigger perspective than me getting race ready. That's more something personal and intrinsic. The other part is as well intrinsic because I love giving and I'm learning so much while doing it. But the purpose for me is way bigger than the personal one. Yeah, and I think something that's fascinating inside
1: of that, Jens, is you saying you've got your own personal motivations preparing to get ready to go into a triathlon again. What does that mean from a business model perspective, how Ironman approached that very motivation? Because they saw that people were needing a motivation or a drive to get ready to prepare for an event. Sure, that event has a lot of other things that tie into it and there's sponsorships and you know, experiences that are associated with it. But at the end of the day, a lot of people hinge their motivation around that. And that's something that I find fascinating around understanding psychology and the way people think and get motivated in terms of needing something to attach their motivation to or have a goal to strive towards. And you mentioned it earlier. And I think different people are motivated by different things. And that's where sort of like you've very well shared in terms of the different types of motivation and different types of projects. But also the word empowerment is how are those structures empowering you? As an individual, to actually
0: make that change and to stay motivated and to join that bigger movement. Yeah. It's fascinating that you give that Ironman example because I was just listening to a podcast from Seth Godin the other day, and I love his way of thinking. He was basically deconstructing motivation in different ways and different topics, but he was basically saying that a lot of motivation is status driven and status in different ways. If we deconstruct now the Ironman company or how this came along. It's like, it was a couple of dudes starting creating a challenge for themselves. Says so who is the fastest in swimming, running and biking this long distance? And then they started, that created the movement, which then it wasn't even called, I think they called it Ironman, but it was not branded like it is today. And that created the movement of people who were endurance freaks at that time and still today. So it's like people who are one to challenging themselves. And then they basically, gave you a medal when you have finished. That's so fascinating. That works for business in the same way. So let's say you create an online course, which is a challenge and a movement in itself, and then you give them a certificate afterwards. So they are proven that they're part of your club. They're part of your movement. That's the same with Ironman. When you cross the finish line for a full Ironman, they call you, you are an Ironman, which means you're part of the club who have managed to struggle through an Ironman race and finish it. And I think that's super helpful from a business understanding as well. Hey, you have been part of this movement and you're now into this club, even if they don't call it club, you're part of our tribe. That's the same with a bit like what we do with the XYZ playground. If you want to become a reverse mentor, you join our movement, you join our way of thinking, you get educated in doing this, and that allows you to reverse mentor others. And the same way, if we take the executives who will want to be part of, of that way of thinking, they join the club, which is not a club, they join this movement, they join this and get value out of it. And I think the interesting part when you look into a business aspect of creating movements and creating challenges and creating these opportunities, it's always, how do you help people fulfilling their dreams, needs, and desires with what you're doing? If we go back to Ironman, Finishing an Ironman gives you personally the status of, hey, I have done an Ironman. And most, at least in most societies, in the, in the normal world, if you take my family, my surroundings, I don't know anyone who has done an Ironman in my close family boundaries. So from that perspective, it is the status, even that I don't care about it. But a lot of people are saying, holy smoke, you did an Ironman. That's cool. And it's the same if you're, let's say you go through an online course. Let's say you get accredited coach or whatever, leadership coach. Then you have done this and you're a specialist. The same how the educational system works. Hey, you studied in Princeton and that's setting you up for something. And I think that's what businesses can use to onboard their customers and their tribes into, hey, you're part of the group now. That means you get access to different things. You can call yourself in a different way. And that establishes then even a further bond, a connection to your business. It's obvious when you look into things like Iron Man or being fan of a rock band. You are part of the group because you're a rock band fan. The same with football clubs. It's all the same mechanism, just not always business, though that I have to say, even a football club today is a huge business. Yeah. Um, a
1: multi million euro dollar business, depending which currency you want to look at things through. But I love the way that you frame sort of you're creating a movement that's entices a brand trust or a business trust and that allows you to further the offerings inside of those businesses that's something that i think we can definitely all learn from in the way that we operate and engage and understand the needs dreams and desires of the customers that we serve whether they be consumers or whether they be businesses themselves and I think that that's extremely important, you know, because something that you and I've chatted at length before about is how to identify more with people. And I think identifying with people, understanding their motivations will then you allow you as a person to understand how you can tap into that motivation to get them to join your movement. And that's something that it's fluid, but it's things that can learn from
0: feedback and things like that, which is awesome. Yeah, absolutely. We have covered a lot today. Basically, all topics we, we have prepared for this call. So it was a great one. We need to keep topics for the next version as well. So for everyone who is listening and or watching this, please share, like it, comment if you think we said something good, you would like to give us a gift, which is feedback, and join the movement, join the way of thinking that we can create playgrounds of engaging with different generations and helping each other in different ways than you might have been thinking in the past. So thank you very much, Joshua, for joining me again. I'm looking forward to the next episode with you. Thanks, Jens. Keep up. We'll chat soon. Thank you. Hey, this is Jens again. Thank you very much for listening to today's episode. If you like what you have listened to, please subscribe to the podcast and share the episodes with your friends and people you think might like it too. If you want to know more about what I'm up to, please follow me on social media or look me up at jensheitland.com. Thank you very much and see you in the next episode.